Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, coming to you from the airwaves of WXAN Radio in Ava, Illinois. If you're tuned in via your car or your automobile, you'll find us at 103.9 FM. But hopefully you're listening to us live stream over the internet at www.wxanradio.com. And when the page pulls up, click on Listen Live. It's so good to have you here on this Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning on Central Standard Time. We're so glad to be part of WXAN Radio. Please pray for WXAN and support financially WXAN. Tell others about WXAN and advertise with WXAN Radio, meets a lot of people and helps drive business. Uh, With that said, this morning, I have someone that I'm going to do an advertisement for today. This was unsolicited by her and her business, but this is something that I believe that God put on me and Dorinda's heart. So I'm going to share something with you today, and I've never done this in the two years of the program, but I'm going to do it today. I want to remind all of you in Southern Illinois or Southeast Missouri, if you're traveling to the Shawnee National Forest and Southern Illinois area this fall, please make sure that you go to Golconda, Illinois, over in Pope County. And when you go to Golconda, I want you to go find a place that is an outstanding place to eat. It's called Tanny's Grill and Chill. Tanny's Grill and Chill. They are located on 319 East Main Street, Golconda, Illinois, right across the street from the Pope County Courthouse. Folks, I'm telling you, Dorinda and I can give personal testimonies. The food is outstanding. The portions are very, very good and fair, and the pricing is so reasonable. You'll be glad you went. Tanny's Grill and Chill, Golconda, Illinois, right across from the Pope County Courthouse. They're open Mondays from 1030 in the morning until 7 p.m. They are closed Tuesdays. Wednesdays, they're open from 10.30 to 7 p.m. Thursdays, from 10.30 to 7 p.m. Fridays, they're open from 8 in the morning to 8 in of the evening. And I'm telling you, if you're a catfish person like I am, all you can eat catfish, you have got to go. These are humongous fillets. The portions are just amazing. You've got to go outstanding menu complete 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 menu i'm telling you you won't be disappointed i love to eat good food and this is good food saturdays they're open from eight in the morning till eight uh, at night and here's what's really cool about saturdays folks saturdays they have an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet from eight to eleven it's killer it's wonderful i'm telling you you'll be glad you went Golconda, illinois Tanny's Grill and Chill. On Mondays, they have a Mexican Monday. All you can eat chips and salsa for free. They have daily specials. Uh, Wednesday, you can get all day breakfast. Folks, you got to go. Tanny's Grill and Chill. Look them up on Facebook. Tanny's Grill and Chill, Golconda, Illinois. A phone number 618 683 2655. 618 618- 683-2655. When you're traveling around beautiful southern Illinois this fall 
every make sure you go tanny's grill and chill you will not be disappointed i promise you that so we're thankful for them it's one of my favorite places to eat and uh, miss tanny who who is the owner is one of the sweetest people you'll meet and she's a small business person trying to survive in a day of a horrible inflated economy and astronomical food prices and all those things but those of you that are traveling to southern illinois go to pope county illinois Tanny's Grill and Chill, Golconda, Illinois, right across from Pope County. Tell them, tell them that Dr. Dave sent you. Tell Tanny that. So I've listened to Dr. Dave on WXAN, and he sent you. Okay? Tell her that, and I know she'll be glad to hear from you. All right. Hey, I want to share this with you this morning. Open your Bibles. Get your Bibles. Open them up. I want to share a passage of Scripture with you out of Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. And I want to speak to you this morning on a very practical subject, and that practical subject is rising again. Rising again, coming back from backsliding on the Lord. Let's take a look at Peter, chapter Luke chapter number 22. Now, if you're sitting here thinking, Pastor David, that's not me, I want you to listen to this message on purpose, okay? God's going to speak to you. Because I understand this from a personal standpoint very well. And I'm so grateful that God allowed me to go through what he did. Because he revived me, restored me, resuscitated me, and blessed me, my marriage, my ministry, and everything. And God's hand is more powerful for me than I've ever experienced before because of what I went through. How do you rise again from backsliding? Luke chapter number 22, verse number 54. Then took they him and led him. And brought him into the high priest's home. And Peter followed afar off. The him is Jesus. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. There's Peter's first denial. Verse 58, Luke 22, verse 58. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou, excuse me as I turn the scripture, thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. There's number two denial and a lie. And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Verse 60, and Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. Another denial, another lie. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, or the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered, and he remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Verse 62, notice this. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Folks, June the 18th of 1990, I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I was born again. I began to serve the Lord, Dorinda and I, and become faithful to God, to the work of the church, and so on. And then God eventually called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's allowed me, he called me to pastor, and he's given me the heart of a pastor and the spirit of an evangelist. So I have a combination of, of a myriad of gifts that he's blessed me with for the work of the ministry. 
And I've been so signally blessed in my ministry. I don't deserve it, but God gave it, and I'm grateful for that. So I understand what it's like to serve sacrificially and to work hard and to work effortlessly and just rather just working continually and to become weary, to get hurt, to become angry, to become bitter, to become backslidden on God. And I was there. And it was amazing. It was a horrible time in my life. And God had to remove me and let me go through some events, self-inflicted, but orchestrated and allowed by God to get me back to where he needed me to be, him, focused on him. I have people lie to me. I've had people offend. I've had people hurt. I've had people threaten me. I've had all kinds of things in the ministry. I've had blessings galore, though, and I know what it's like to be backslidden. Now, I want to speak to you this morning from these verses, but I want to look at these verses from Jesus's perspective. You see, the Lord's point of view, in other words. Now, you may have heard this passage preached before, and it's preached from Peter's perspective uh, in the past. You've probably heard this, you know, concerning Peter's steps to backsliding. If we look at this, you know, we would notice, we notice Peter's prayerlessness, that he was sleeping when he should have been praying. We would notice Peter's pride. He was arrogant when he should, and that led to his downfall. Thirdly, we notice Peter's proximity, that he followed Jesus from afar off. And fourthly, we would notice the step Peter used in backsliding, that Peter's peer pressure, he was warming his hands by the fire. In other words, he was with the wrong crowd of people. So we see this progression of Peter's backsliding, but let's look at it today from Jesus's perspective, the Lord's point of view. Now, I want to say this at the get-go. God does not condone sin, mine, yours, or anyone else. And if you're a believer and you say, I have no sin, the scripture says in 1 John, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. So let's look at these verses today from God's perspective with the time that we have left. And let's notice how we can come back to God, and that's you included, friend, after we have failed him. I'll tell you this for a certainty. All Christians occasionally sin and fail God and backslide. Say amen right there. And when I talk to you about backsliding, I'm not talking to you about losing your salvation. I'm talking to you about losing your fellowship with God, not your relationship. When you trusted Christ by faith to be your personal Savior, God saved you. Your relationship, he's your father, you're his son, you're his daughter, washed in the blood of Christ. He gave you everlasting and eternal life. You cannot lose that. But you can lose your fellowship or your communication. Now, if there was ever been a time where you were closer to God than you are now, then you're backslidden. And I'm telling you right now, churches of Jesus Christ, Southern Baptist churches, churches all over Southern Illinois and Southeast Missouri are filled with backslidden Christians in positions of authority. So I want to talk to you this morning about coming back to God, about rising again from backsliding and the lessons that we can learn from these. Jot these down. Get a pen, piece of paper, jot these down. Here are some lessons we can learn on coming back to God, rising again from backsliding. Number one, failure doesn't have to be a hitching post. It can be a guidepost. Failure doesn't have to be a hitching post. It can be a guidepost. Now, folks, we are not a failure as Christians because we fail. We become a failure when we quit trying. 
sin comes into your life. You may not have intended it. You may have made some bad decisions, got some bad uh, advice, took your eyes off of Christ and the teachings of the Word of God, and you may have just become out and out addicted to something. Folks, here's what God's looking for. He didn't save you because he knew you were never going to sin again. He saved you because he loves you, and Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was she shed his blood in your place, in my place, in the sins of everyone in the world. Christ died for the sins of the whole world. He was buried in the tomb, and then he was resurrected the third day for our justification. In other words, so we could stand before God as though we never sinned, not because of us, but because of Jesus' blood applied to us and his righteousness imputed unto us when we trusted him by faith as Savior. So you're only a failure, Christian, if you quit trying. Now, we're not a failure because we fall. We are a failure because we quit getting up. The Bible says in Proverbs 24 and verse 16, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Churches need to understand this. Your pastor, your pastor's wife, your pastor's family, your parishioners, your members, your visitors, they're not perfect people. And they're sinful, they're flawed, they're failed. And if you take a self-righteous position, just like the Pharisees did in Jesus' day, thought they were better than everyone else, and you won't allow someone to come into your church because you think they're living a way you don't approve of, or you won't allow a preacher to come and preach at your church because you don't think he's good enough or because he has a little bit of a past like you do too, then you're the biggest hypocrite that's sitting in the church, and you're living a pompous, self-righteous life. I believe that leaders should have a standard of living, but the premier leader is the sinless one, Jesus. We pastors, we preachers, we are sinful, we're flawed, we're failing. We try to live as close to God as possible, but we're human at best, and sometimes we fail God, and we fail ourselves, and we, we fail all kinds of people, and you're in a spiritual battle, and if you've ever warred in this spiritual battle against the flesh and the devil, trying to win souls to Christ, trying to preach the gospel, trying to comfort the afflicted, trying to afflict the comfortable, and trying to do something for Jesus and build a church for Jesus Christ— you're going to catch the fiery darts of the wicked one, the devil, and he will come after you. If he hasn't bothered you, two reasons why he hasn't bothered you, friend, is because, number one, you are not saved, possibly, or number two, you're not doing anything for Jesus. But if you're trying to preach the gospel of Christ, win souls, do something for God, he'll fight you, and he'll afflict you, and he'll use your flesh. But a just man falleth seven times and riseth again. God is saying, get up. Now, folks, we can learn from our sin and our past, and we should. And praise God, I thank God that I have. And we can come out better than before. And I will say this as a testimonial. God allowed me to go through a difficult period in my life to bring me back to himself, to revive me, refresh me, restore me, and teach me that I only need him and him alone. I don't need the church. I don't need the approval of the deacons or the trustees or a church body. I need Jesus Christ and him alone, and that's who I'm going to keep my eyes upon, and so should you. We should live godly and righteously in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But ultimately, your faith is built upon Jesus and him and his blood and his righteousness and nothing else. And I will tell you to this day, 
one of the biggest hindrances to the cause of Jesus Christ is not a Christian who has gotten into sin, but it's the gossiping, carnal, self-righteous, pompous attitudes of churches that don't want a man or a woman or someone else with a sinful past to enter into their congregation. That's the biggest hypocrite just a pharisaical attitude, and God can't bless your church, and he won't, and God can't bless your ministry, and he won't, and God can't bless your endeavors, and he won't. Jesus walked among sinners, and he said, ye without sin cast the first stone at the woman. Yes, we should try to live godly and holy and righteously in this present life, and we desire that. But don't you dare make fun, make light of, or try to discourage someone who's trying to serve God who has a past because so do you and if God revealed that you would run out the church like your shirt tail was on fire you couldn't get out the door so quick well we can learn from our sin folks and we should and God doesn't see us as a composite of all of our sins when God forgives he forgets in Psalm chapter 103 and verse 12 as far as the east is from the west so far hath he removed our transgression from us God wants us to learn from them, not condone them, not just say, okay, Lord, you've forgiven me. I'm going to go back and do it again. No, a person who is legitimately repentant in their heart, sorrowful for their sin, say, Lord, help me. I don't want to live like this. I want to glorify you. Help me overcome this addiction. Deliver me. Set me free. Folks, he did that for me. He's done, he'll do that for you. He's done that for me in a variety of ways in life, before I was saved, after I was saved. He is still... Some of you are addicted to a variety of things, but you act like you never sinned. Shame on you. God knows the truth. So we rise again from our failure, from our backsliding by, number one, realizing failure doesn't have to be a hitching post. It can be a guidepost. Number two, how do we rise again from backsliding? We recognize, number two, if we fail God, it will probably be at a point of our greatest strength. You see, Peter's greatest strength was his courage. Peter wasn't afraid of anybody. Peter was ambitious. He was impetuous. He was impulsive. He was a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a go-getter. He's a fisherman. He was tough. He was rugged, right? Courage was his asset. It was his greatest strength. He's the one that got out of the boat. Remember, we preached a few weeks ago on Peter getting out of the boat, the miracle. He walked on the water to see Jesus when the rest of those cowards stayed in the ship. He was courageous. Peter was the one that smote the, high, the air off the high priest's servant when they'd come to get Jesus. He was protecting Christ. Oh, he was courageous. That was a, a strength for him when they come to arrest Jesus. But when Peter failed God, it was with a little servant girl. Look at verses 56 and 57. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. I want to give you some biblical examples of people who, in their greatest strength, failed God in their greatest strength. The first one I want to share with you today, saints, is Moses. Moses' greatest strength was meekness. Meekness. Meekness is defined as power under control. But yet he killed the Egyptian, took the matters of delivering God's people into his own hand when he saw an Egyptian afflicting 
a Hebrew. He took the matters of deliverance into his own hand. He was anything but meek at that time. And that's found in Exodus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. I want to read that passage of Scripture for you today. And if this message takes two times, then we'll try to share it two times, okay? But in Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, that's the Hebrews, enslaved by the Egyptians, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, in other words, no witnesses, he slew the Egyptian, and he hid him in the sand. Verse 13, And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And said, he said unto him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, uh, and he said, Who made thee a prince and judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me? As thou killest the Egyptian, somebody did see. And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Verse 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Folks, Moses' greatest strength was meekness. That's power under control. Yet he failed in that moment of, uh, by not using meekness. What about Abraham? Abraham's another example of someone who failed in their, uh, uh, in strength, a period of strength. Abraham, his strength was what? It was his faith. And in Genesis chapter number 12, I draw your attention, Genesis chapter number 12, we see what Abraham did. He didn't trust God by faith to take care of him during a famine. And in Exodus, or rather Genesis chapter number 12, verses 7 through 20, I won't read them all because of time. Genesis chapter 12, verses 7 through 20, you'll find that, find out that Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, his strength was faith, yet he didn't use his faith when famine came into the land. And he went into Egypt when he should have stayed in Israel, trusting God to provide. Folks, God is going to provide for you if you'll keep your eyes on him. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our Jehovah Jireh. He's our Jehovah Nissi. He's everything we need. He's our horn, our shield, our buckler. He's all that you need. Christ, Colossians says, Christ is all you need. Jesus is. So Abraham failed God in a, uh, in a moment, in an area of strength, his faith. Moses failed God in meekness. These folks, they failed God. At a moment of strength. Why? At a point of strength. Why? Because, folks, here's why. There's a tendency to leave that area of strength in our life unguarded. An unguarded strength is a double weakness. And we must protect these areas. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 18, the Bible teaches us, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. In Luke chapter 22, Peter, in verse 33, had boasted earlier. Notice this, Luke 22, verse 33. And he said unto him, Peter said unto Christ, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. 
So Peter boasted, Lord, I'll go with you, even to death. I'll go to prison for you. So Peter boasted. And this boastful man, Peter, and I want to say to this to you, you don't have to boast publicly or behind the pulpit or over the radio microphone or over the podcast. You don't have to, but you can boast within your heart, and God sees that. Peter boasted, and this boastful person, the boastful Christian, is tempting the devil to tempt them. I know we overcome him by the blood of Christ. I know we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. I know the devil's a defeated foe, but he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He can't have your soul as a believer because you're washed in the blood, but he wants your testimony. He wants to hurt you, and he wants to cause hurt, mayhem, and carnage to you and to your loved ones and to your congregation. Peter boasted. So remember this. We can't go too much farther today. But how do we rise again from backsliding? Well, first of all, by looking at Peter's downfall, his backsliding from Jesus's perspective, we see that number one, there are some lessons to be learned. And those lessons are, first of all, failure doesn't have to be a hitching post. It can be a guidepost to bring us back to the Lord and to get refocused on Christ. And number two, the second lesson we learn from Peter's backsliding is if we fail God, it will probably be at a point of our greatest strength. So you have to guard your strength. An unguarded strength is a double weakness, and Satan will find it. We have to take unto us the sword of the Spirit. That's the Word of God. And the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. And have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. These are our weapons. Our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. It's a spiritual battle you're in that I'm in and we as believers are in. Folks, we live in a world with a lying, corrupt government. We live in a world where it's so money-driven by our government. They are lying. They're corrupt. And yet they're untrustworthy. Big Pharma lies to government all about money, lies to the American people about no side effects to vaccines or other things, only because it's driven by a dollar. And recently, Purdue Pharma settled for $6 billion over all the oxycodone, oxycontin, that they promoted through the early 2000s for pain and got millions of people addicted to the opioid crisis. And got opioids prevalent in our society. And multitudes of multitudes of people lost their lives. And recently Purdue Pharmaceuticals settled for $6 billion. Well, they made $13 billion off of OxyContin. So they still pocketed $7 billion. What's my point? Keep your eyes on Jesus. God is our refuge and our strength. We live in a corrupt, fallen, sinful world where the devil is real as you and I. And we have a job to do, get the gospel of Jesus Christ out and about. We have a government that lies. We have a society that lies. And they're driven by the love of money, which is the root of all evil. But don't be disheartened or disappointed. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's coming again. Focus on Christ. Serve Jesus Christ. Tell the world about Christ. Hand out a gospel tract. Invite someone to church. God wants to rebuild your life. And if you've backslidden and gotten away from God and your fellowship has been restored, or been broken. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he, for, he, he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Confess your sins of backsliding to God. Come back to God. Let him revive you, renew you, restore you, recover you, and get out and serve Jesus and tell others about Christ and his coming and get in actively involved again in supporting ministries like WXAN Radio. And folks, tell others about Christ. He's coming again. Hey, our time goes and comes real quickly here. This has been the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast, and I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, and I want you to stay tuned in, keep listening to this fine station, tell others that Jesus is coming again soon, and it's been a joy to be with you, because Jesus is Good Tidings. Focus on Jesus, follow Jesus, worship and serve Jesus, and tell others about Jesus. He is good news, and good tidings in the day and time we live. God bless you all. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Oh, yes. The day is finally here. Emmanuel. God is with us. Oh, yes. No to fear. For unto you is born this day. Savior Christ our Lord So fear not Fear not Yes sir